0: I have a rubber ducky. How many of you guys have a rubber ducky? Oh, yeah. Oh, more than I thought would. All right. Yes, you guys are my friends. So my rubber ducky's awesome, though, because he is a little mariachi player. See that? Can you show him? Oh, there he is. His name is Carlitos, okay? And he has a little trumpet and a little mustache and a hat, and he's awesome. And he plays, uh, yeah, mariachi. So enjoy your rubby, rubber duckies. So here's, I I leave mine in a certain place. I put it on my desk in this office in here, and he sits there, and then when I get really distracted and I'm doing all sorts of crazy stuff, because you guys know me, I'm super ADHD, and I'm just like, ah! And so then I'm like doing other things, and I see my rubber ducky, and he reminds me of something, of a phrase that my mom used to say to me all the time growing up. My mom used to tell me, and you probably know this phrase, you got to get your ducks in a row. Have you ever heard that? None of you have heard that. I'm introducing you to a new, oh, a few of you, okay, yeah get your ducks in a row. You know what it means? It means to get your priorities straight. So when I was like doing crazy things and my homework wasn't getting done and my grades were going down, my mom would be like, get your ducks in a row. You know my mom, dude, when she says that, you're like, yes, ma'am, yes, whatever you want, right? And so like, I would remember that I needed to, instead of just go out with my friends and hang out all the time, I'd need to maybe do some homework or do some things and have my priorities right so my life was in balance and I could get my priorities straight. So when I'm like really ADHD and I see this little duck sitting on my desk in there, it reminds me, get your ducks in a row, get your priorities straight, get some stuff done. And as we're talking about tonight, we're going to be in a passage that is, we're actually finishing up last week's. And last week, Jesus was telling us something. He was talking about anxiety. Do you remember that? And we talked about how if your heart and your treasure is found in Jesus, then all the other things that could kind of come along your way and cause you stress and cause you anxiety, they just don't seem that important. Because your treasure's in heaven, and if your treasure's in heaven, then it can't be stolen from you. So you start to see like this difference in the things of earth and the things of heaven and say, wait a minute. If what I really want is in heaven, what am I actually stressed out about right now? Like, what am I anxious for? And then Jesus points at the birds. Remember, he's like, the Lord feeds them. They don't have refrigerators and like warehouses full of food and God takes care of them. And so as we ended that passage, he said this verse, and it's the verse we're going to look at tonight because it's going from anxiety into something like the next steps into life that we need to learn. Priorities. And you guys are in a perfect spot, especially this time of year, to start thinking about priorities. Why? Because exams are coming up. Oh, sorry for reminding you of that, right? The end of the year is coming. Graduation for some of you guys, which means college and other things, right? Sports that you guys are playing are starting to like, get serious. You're starting to get into like, the end of the year things. You're starting to think about school next year already. Like, where am I going to go to school? Some of you middle schoolers are thinking about, What school now you're going to go to, right? And so as you have all of these decisions to make, here's what I want to help you remember. Get your ducks in a row. If you're going to try to set some priorities for the end of this year and going into the summer and starting next year, make sure you have your ducks in a row. Now, you know what I could do? I could come up tonight and give you like all these like like a PowerPoint with tip one, tip two, tip three, and it's super motivational and you're like, yeah, this is how I'm going to do it. It's very practical, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Because what I'd rather do is give you one truth that's going to be a filter for you. To hear God's voice when you're making your priorities and trying to get your ducks in a row. And you're saying, God, will you show me how to do this? Will you show me what should be close to my heart? Will you show me what my priorities should be? Your priorities for my life. And if you can take this filter and apply it to the decisions you're about to make and that are coming up and will come up next year and spoiler alert, for the rest of your life. And you'll be able to hear God's voice and set those priorities and get your ducks in a row the way Jesus wants them for your life. And that's what I would pray over you. So tonight, if you'll open your Bibles or look with us, we're in Matthew 6, verse 33 is what we're looking at, how we ended our passage last week. It says this, but seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Now, as we're talking about priorities and getting our ducks in a row, right? We also know that Firehouse has a motto. There's something I say to you guys all the time that your leaders say all the time. And it's looking at Eli and Samuel in the temple. It's from that passage. We tell you what we want to help you do is hear God's voice. And say yes to him when you hear him speak. And then invite other people to obey with you. And we believe that's real discipleship, helping you hear God's voice and say yes to it. And so tonight, as we're looking at this passage, the first thing I would say is notice what he says at the beginning. He says, seek, seek. A lot of us are sitting around thinking that God's will is going to stumble on us. Like we're going to be like, all right, I'm just chilling, God. And whenever I hear that voice somehow pop out, then I'll go and I'm just going to chill. And until then, I'm just going to be playing video games so you can find me at the Xbox. You know, like it's one of those i just do my thing, and then maybe God will tell me eventually along the way. But this passage actually says, seek, like, listen for God's voice. Actively be listening. If you're so distracted in the things that you're doing, waiting for God, you might not even hear them. If the noise around you is so loud because you're, like, in so many other things that your mind is focused on and that you have prioritized in your life, maybe you're not even going to hear the voice when he speaks to you. And so what he says to do is seek, like be actively looking for what God wants you to do in your life. Be actively listening for his voice, be actively in prayer on your knees saying, God, what is it you want me to do at the end of this year? What is it you want me to play? What sport, what activity should I be involved in or not be involved in? What's the best group of friends to have in my inner circle? Like these questions about my life, Lord, How would you have me kind of start my journey? Like, what is it you want me to do in my future? Are there things you could already call me to do now to prepare myself for that? Are you asking God what his will is for your life? Are you just kind of sitting back, like going along for the ride? Your ducks are all over the place, right? And tonight Jesus is like, hey, get those ducks in a row. Like, come on, actively ask and seek out my will for your life. Now, don't raise your hand, but will you ask yourself that question just as we start? Like, am I actively seeking God's will for my life tonight? And be honest with yourself, because you're only lying to you. Then he says, he says, but seek, and he uses the word first. And the word first isn't necessarily like this order of things, right? It's not chronological, but it means the most important Talk about priorities, right? So, like, the highest priority in your life. The thing that you should seek above everything else. And there's lots of cool things you could do. Like, your time can be filled with all sorts of awesome activities. You guys live in one of the coolest times of human history, right? There's so many amazing things you could be a part of. And there's so many destructive things you could be a part of. You've got a lot of choices at your disposal. A lot of potential So I want to encourage you as you're looking at those choices. Jesus says, seek first of highest priority, the thing that you should want most, the thing you should sacrifice other things for, the thing you should pour your time and your heart and your energy into. That's what Jesus wants you to seek in that way. The top of your priority list, your first duck in the row. And then he says this. He tells us what he wants to seek. Here's your filter. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I had you probably up until I said, kingdom of God. And then you're like, Wait, what? Can't just like walk down the street and there's this castle down there and I walk in and it's a big sign. Kingdom of God. Welcome. Like, take a ticket. Like, how do you, what is the kingdom of God? What is he talking about here? So I'm going to walk you through that real quick. Here's some verses to help us understand what he means. First, we're looking at Old Testament. Let's go way back. Let's take a little journey to the past. It's Zechariah fourteen nine. You're like, Zechariah who? Right, Zechariah, he was old prophet. Zechariah 14.9 says this, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. You hear that part? On that day, the Lord will be one and his name, one. This is a prophecy. Zechariah was a prophet, so he was talking about the future when Jesus would come, when this Messiah would come and he would die on the cross and he would raise again and usher in a new kingdom a kingdom that God rules. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. It can no longer drag you down if you believe in Jesus. Death is no longer your end if you believe in Jesus. You have eternal life promised to you. It's a new kingdom. It's a new life. And God is the ruler. And he wants you to keep that as your highest priority. Looking forward to that day, you get to see Jesus face to face. The day you get to walk through the gates of heaven into eternity and be like, I get to spend the rest of eternity with God in this unbelievable existence. Kingdom of heaven. And Zechariah promises that it's coming. And then we jump ahead and we go to Mark 115. It says, and saying the time is fulfilled. Prophecy from Zechariah. And in Mark, we see it's fulfilled. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was always preaching these words, repent and believe, repent and believe, right? Why? Because his kingdom was at hand. Like what was happening was that Zechariah promised Jesus would come in Mark. We see Jesus here to do for a purpose. He had a mission. His mission was to bring his kingdom, which is salvation. It's eternal life for you. It's to change everything, to wipe out the old universe and make something brand new for us. That was Jesus' mission. And when he came to die on the cross, he was ushering that kingdom in. Do you hear his advice because of that? Repent and believe. Some of you guys are just like, well, I like that kingdom sounds awesome. I want to be a part of that. But here's how he says you can be a part of it. You repent. And you believe. And that's where we get lost. Because a lot of us don't want to give up the old life. We like how things are. We enjoy this. This feels good. This is cool for now. Like Jesus says, repent. And what repentance is, you turn around completely 180 degrees. And to go the other way. And he's saying, leave your old life back here and follow me. A totally new direction. Give up sin, give up flesh, give up chasing after physical things. And start opening your eyes up to eternal things that will last forever. That will blow your mind that are found in the kingdom of God. Repent and believe. In other words, trust in Jesus. There's one place for your trust and your faith. If you put it anywhere but that one place, it will fail you. You will be let down. Your heart will be broken, and you won't see anything come to fruition. But if you place your faith where it belongs, in Jesus, it will never fail you. He promises something that can't ever be taken away. It's eternal life. It's forgiveness of your sin. It's the fact that you get to go and stand when you die one day at the gates of heaven and see Jesus. He's like, why should I let you in? (laughs) Because your blood is on me. You died for me because I've placed my trust in you. You'll have an answer. But if you don't repent and believe when you reach the kingdom of heaven and you're standing at the gates, what will you say? What will convince God to be like, all right, come on in. There is nothing else. He says, that's it. Repent and believe. Jesus literally came and changed our entire timeline. He changed history when he died on the cross. The whole world changed. You could go across the globe today and find churches all over the place, people that were touched by the gospel and cultures and countries so far away from where the cross actually took place. It has impacted our entire globe, and for thousands of years, it's done it. This was a big deal. Jesus came and ushered in a kingdom, and the way to get in is repenting and believing. Matthew 19, 14, he says, it says, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. like, how do I like have that kind of faith? What kind of faith is it to get into the kingdom of heaven? You don't have to be a theologian. You don't got to go to Bible school. You don't need a degree. You don't have to be a missionary or even a martyr for the cause. You don't have to be a pastor. You just have to have the faith of a child. It sounds easy. It sounds like something all of us could do. It's so hard for so many of us to just believe, not have to have all the answers, not have to have everything figured out and all the calculations done. Just like a child to be able to say, I know you're real. I know you came. I know you're speaking to me right now. I hear it from your Bible, and I believe the childlike faith. That's how you get in the kingdom. That's the faith that's required. You're like, Rob, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the answers. It's okay. Do you believe like a child? Do you trust Jesus? Right? We don't don't live by sight. We live by faith. Repent and believe and do it with childlike faith. John 33 says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So this faith that he's asking you, requiring us to have, he's like, you have to believe it and you only need it like a child. He's like, but if you don't and it hasn't changed your heart and your life, then there's no access to the kingdom of heaven. And it sounds harsh to stand on a stage tonight and have to tell you that. I hate having to tell you that. I wish we could all just go, but God has a plan. And he's just, and in his justice, there is a way made for us to go. And if you don't follow that way, there is no access for you into the kingdom. It's a real life thing. As some of us have believed and we're walking into the gates of heaven, there will be others that we know that won't be allowed in. And I wonder if our eyes will catch at the gate. If we stand there heartbroken that you're not coming in. You'll look and say, man, I wish I had just listened. I wish I had just taken it seriously and believed. Trusted in Jesus, it was right there. It was offered every Wednesday night to me at Firehouse. I never did it. Faith of a child. Unless you're born again. And that faith does something. Born again means you're made new. You're not the old you anymore. It's a type of faith that transforms you. It's not the type of faith where you raise your hand because a pastor told a story about an orphan and you cried and you're like, I want that. And the next day you go right back to like your same old sin. Nothing changes in your life. <laughs> There's no real faith in your heart that causes you to like want to know Jesus more. There's no changes. It's just the same. Jesus encourages us to look for that transformation in us, that desire to be different, to be like him. Right? To be born again, like made brand new. It says, those who are made brand new can have access to the kingdom of heaven. A couple more Colossians 1 13 to 14. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, for those who truly believe, like Jesus, He's forgiven us. But when you place that faith in Him, that childlike faith, he forgives you and makes you part of his family. He literally takes you out of this kingdom that we're living in, in the world, and sin and brokenness with no hope because we're not going anywhere but hell. And then when you place your faith in Jesus, he takes you out of that. As he transfers you into the kingdom of light, into his kingdom, and it's the forgiveness of Jesus that causes you to get off this train that's going to hell and get on this train that's going to heaven, and it's only by Jesus' grace that it happens. Like, well, I'll I'll just behave for their small life. I'll be good now. No, you won't. Like, it won't work. It's not good enough. Faith in Jesus is the only thing. But I'm a really good person. You might be, but you're not good enough because He wants perfection and you're not perfect. You've already messed up. You've already committed this sin. The deed is already done. You were born imperfect. But why are you fighting it? He's made a way. He's standing over here going, come on, get on board. But you place your faith in me, trust in me, come with us. Follow me to heaven. Follow me through the gates into the new kingdom that I've just made. You don't have to stay over there. Why on earth would so many of us stay on this side? Looking at Jesus going, let's go. We're like, no, go without me. I'd rather stay here and head to hell. You you guys go ahead like, trust in me, I want to forgive you, I want a relationship with you, get on board. Then he says, this is the last uh, verse I want to share with you, it says, not everyone in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, (laughs) but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There's a lot of people that are going to go to Jesus and, and do that thing I talked about a minute ago, where we're like, well, yeah, I went to youth group. I grew up in the South, you know. I'm a Southerner. I'm a conservative. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Republican. You know, I'm going to heaven. It's not enough. Not what he asked for. Those might or not might or might not be good things, but it's not what he asked for. There are a lot of people who are going to think they know Jesus because they've read the Bible once or twice or they've gone to church or they have a Christian family, but really they haven't done the one thing he's asked them to do, which is take their life and lay it at his feet and trust him for salvation because it never changed their life and they don't look any different. We're just doing church thing, but inside we're just as dead and broken as we were before. We're walking around miserable like zombies, walking dead, and there's no new life inside of us that's causing us to look to Jesus with hope, peace in our heart, with love that only he can give us. We're not experiencing the the fruit of the spirit that Jesus gives when we join his kingdom. And so we go to him, we're like, Lord, Lord, you know what he says to us? I don't know you. I never met you. You've never trusted in me. You went through the motions. Listen to me, church kids. It's easy to be a church kid and miss the boat. It's easy to think you're saved because you've been in this church culture, in this space, under these songs and teaching, and you're like, man, I must just be saved. And it's easy to miss the whole thing because you weren't even paying attention to what was said over and over again. The message says to repent and to believe. Have you repented? Have you truly had a moment with Jesus where you said, I'm, I, I give you all of me? I'm making a 180. This old life is yours. I repent and I trust you alone to save me. Because that's all that works. That's the what you were designed for. That is the solution to our sin problem. And if you're not doing it, he looks at you and says, "Depart from me. I don't know you. You can't get into my kingdom. I want you to be in the kingdom of Jesus. I do. So I stand up here every Wednesday night. I keep telling you over and over, don't miss it. Jesus shows us. This, he teaches us how to pray. If you remember the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 10, part of the Lord's Prayer actually says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as as it is in heaven, without all the stuttering, right? Your will be done. Jesus actually wants believers to pray in a way where we desire his kingdom to come. Like, I wanna see you, Jesus. I can't wait for the day that you come back and I get to see you face to face. The guy who died for me, who rose again from the dead, who walked on water like this Jesus who's loved me my whole life and walked with me and given me hope. I can't wait for you to come back. Your kingdom come, like let it come, Jesus. And in the process, let your will be done. I want to follow you. I want to live like you. I want to give up my sin and my past. And I want to be like you, Jesus. He's like, pray like that. Let that be the heart of your prayer. Every morning when you wake up, every night when you go to bed, and all day long, will you pray that prayer? Will you desire to be like Christ? Will you desire to see his face? Because Jesus is the only one who can bring you into the gates of heaven. We're celebrating Easter. This Sunday, if you didn't know why we're having an Easter egg hunt and you thought we were just weird, it's Easter Sunday, okay? And Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And you know what the resurrection of Jesus brings? It's the entrance of his kingdom on earth. Salvation, eternal life, the kingdom of God. And so we get to celebrate this Sunday that Jesus rose again and that he brought his kingdom. And so tonight we're talking about this kingdom because we're talking about priorities. Talking about getting our ducks in a row. And his resurrection gives us our priorities. The kingdom of Jesus is what causes us to know what we should or shouldn't do in our life because we use it as a filter. We say, Jesus, above everything else I'm doing, I want to seek your kingdom. I know soccer and volleyball and tennis and football and basketball and all these things that take up like a billion hours of my week that I like sell my life to all the time for practice is so important, but then I don't ever get to go out and share the gospel with people or read my Bible or pray or help the people that I know in my group that are hurting and be part of the church. Or show up and hear God's word in firehouse or Sunday mornings. I know your grades are super important, but are they the kingdom of God? Is your 4.0 going to get you through the gates of heaven? Is your 4.0 where you're going to find Jesus and peace in him? Where you go to college? I see smiles. I know I'm hitting areas, right? These are nerves because these are real things that we prioritize above the kingdom of God. I know I've been there. I was in high school. We think they're so important right now. Like, that's our whole life. The kingdom of God is so much bigger. And when you get to heaven, no one's going to ask you what your final GPA was. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying you shouldn't study. But when you're making your priorities, it better not be the top of the list. That sport that's keeping you from chasing the kingdom of Jesus shouldn't be the top of the list. Whatever else your hobby is or your thing is that consumes your heart and your schedule and your passion, it's out of order. If the kingdom of God isn't the top, making time to love and serve and grow closer to Jesus should be the thing that you carve out first in your schedule and say, if there's time after that, then I'll do other things. But the most important thing in my heart in life is being close to Jesus. I want to seek the kingdom and his righteousness, it says. Oh, that's hard, especially today. How many choices are you having to make all the time? We can choose between what's right and what's easy. (laughs) We can choose between doing what's right and getting that good grade, even though it means cheating. Or getting away with something, even though it means lying. Or get that instant gratification, even though it means lust looking at porn, being inappropriate in a relationship with our boyfriend or girlfriend, you list it. You list the decisions that you're going to have to make between righteousness and chasing after what's right in the kingdom of God or the thing your flesh really wants. Every day we are faced with tons of choices just like that. When you go to school, when you're home, when you're alone, when you're at a firehouse, all the time, what will your choice be? B, Jesus says, as you make your priorities, make the kingdom of God and his righteousness your top priority. So as you start to make those decisions, you know what to choose. Yeah, I might bomb this test because I didn't study, but at least I'll stand before Jesus with a clean heart because I didn't cheat and I did it honestly. You don't hear that anymore. (laughs) How will you make your decisions? Life's full of choices, but will you seek his righteousness above all else? If you do, if you do, here's the promise. It says all these things. He knows you have lots of needs. He's not saying like, oh, you live in this physical world, but you'll be fine and somehow magically, spiritually, just like survive without food and shelter. Like he's not saying that. But he's saying, what will be your top priority? What will your heart chase after? Because if it chases after Jesus, his kingdom and righteousness All these other things will fall into place. You'll start to hear God's voice and know what to do. You'll start to make the right choices and put your priorities in order because they'll all line up behind Jesus. That's where they belong. How do you make priorities? Put Jesus first. Seek his kingdom first. All these things will be. I like that it's used in future tense. Will be, right? You're looking around right now and some of you guys are probably thinking like, but right now I'm facing this thing, Rob, and you don't even know. You're standing up on that stage and you're preaching all this stuff and you don't know my life. If you only knew what I was dealing with right now, Rob, you would probably not say that stuff. And the problem is you're missing that phrase. And Jesus isn't promising that in this exact moment that everything's going to be perfect, but he's saying that these things will be He's calling for patience. You know where faith is built? In the waiting. When everything is crumbling. When you don't see the answer on the horizon. That's where faith is built. And that's what Jesus is trying to do in your heart. So he often gives us these moments of waiting and says, I will do this. But in the meantime, let your faith grow. Trust me that it will happen. Trust me that I will come through. Trust me that I will show up and I'll grow your faith. You'll find my kingdom. And it's going to be big in your heart. Because God is always right on time. Every time. Will you trust that? All these things will be added to you. All these ducks will line up in a row. If you keep the kingdom of God and his righteousness first above all else. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment? The band's going to lead us in a song, and as they do, I just want to ask you guys to say a simple prayer for me. Will you just ask Jesus what things are out of priority in your heart tonight? Some of you guys, it's like, man, I still haven't faith in Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm a church kid. (laughs) My parents might be in ministry, but I've never actually felt like this change in my heart where my life's changed and I look different. I just figured I was grandfathered into this thing because my family's Christian or I go to a Christian school or, like, but I've never actually really meant it in my heart where it's changed my life. Maybe that's you tonight. Would you just ask God to show you that? Give you the courage to respond in a moment when we talk again? Or maybe there's just something out of priority. You're not seeking the kingdom. Other things have been far more important to you and you need God tonight to show you that and to give you a tender heart to maybe do something about it, will you ask him for that right now?